Good day everyone, you're listening to Time for Your Hobby, and this is episode 154, Not the Chips You Can Eat. I'm your host Alex, and today I have the honor to have Mike as my guest on the show. How are you doing today? I'm great, Alex. How are you? I am doing splendid. I had another interview today, and this is the second one today, so I'm, I'm, I'm all fired up. I'm all warmed up, so now I'm ready to go. Man, you get it done. I like that. <laughs> Trying to stay on top of it, of course, so hopefully I don't strain my voice. So that's why during this episode, I'll let you do the, most of the talking. <laughs> Sounds good. My wife will uh, appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, today we're going to be talking about collecting poker chips. But before we do that, I'm going to ask the horrible question, who is Mike? You know, I'm just a guy. I'm just a dude, <laughs> man. I am a... Uh, uh, what we'll be talking about today is actually was actually my second career that I had out of three where I was a professional poker player. Uh, and so now I'm just a, a boring business guy. I'm a sales professional and uh, just enjoy living life, doing podcasts and raising a, a cool family. And of course, collecting all the chips from your winnings. Uh, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> sometimes, every once in a while, the winnings occur. <laughs> it's life. You, it's like a roller coaster. You go up and down, right? <laughs> you know, that's funny. I wrote a, I self-published a book about my time in Vegas, and it was called uh, The Life of Mike Cunningham, Roller Coaster Poker. <laughs> so it is a roller coaster. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I was there when you were writing the book. You don't you remember? You don't remember me? <laughs> Well, that's perfect. That's great. Mike, you sound like a joyful person, which is fantastic. And now the following question is the one that people would like to like know, like, wow, this joyful person, Mike, where can we find him? So I have to ask, where can people find you online, whether it's social media, websites, or projects you're working on that you would love people to come check out? Absolutely. You know, if you are a track and field fan, that's where my career lasts right now. Uh, I actually host my own podcast there, the Gill Athletics Track and Field Connections podcast, where we interview track coaches and other people of the track and field world throughout the country. And uh, just have a great time there. So you can check me out on podcast. If you want to get in touch with me, I'm a huge social media guy. I love uh, social media with all my heart. And so my probably the best and easiest way is on Twitter. And my Twitter handle there is my name. It's at Mike Cunningham. You can reach out to me there and I'd love to hear from you and, and uh, interact with you there. That's perfect. I'll put all that information down below so people can go check it out and show you some love. And, you know, Mike and I talked about uh, track and field a little bit at the beginning and how I used to do track and field. And actually a few times because I'm from Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, and you might recognize this guy, Donovan Bailey actually trained me a little bit. Is that right? Yeah. Really? <laughs> but it was like a group of Holy kids. Cow. It was a group of kids, but it was like one or two sessions. I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> that is very cool. That's uh, royalty in the track and field sprinting world. <laughs> so yeah, I just have to throw it in there. Shout out to Donovan Bailey. You know, you don't remember Absolutely. me at all, but... <laughs> <laughs> I was one of the many kids, yes. But you know what? Today is not about my fail attempt at track and field. Today is all about Mike and his passion of collecting poker chips. So how did you actually get introduced to collecting poker chips? Is it like one that you found on the casino floor or one that you found on the street? Or are you like, you know what? You won the first one. You want to keep it. Like, kind of like the first dollar from a business. Yeah. You know, if, if that were true, you know, I lost literally hundreds and hundreds of dollars when I first started playing poker. I was so terrible at it. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't have had an opportunity to even collect the chip. Uh, but somewhere around the third or fourth or fifth, so somewhere pretty early, um, a casino that I went to, to go play, uh, I think it was Bay 101 out in San Jose. And it was a pretty cool chip. It was, um, they have different materials that they make them out of. And this was kind of a, a slick material, but it had a dolphin on it. And I don't know why it just, it just looked cool. So I took it. 
And then when I went to the next one, I took one. And then somewhere <laughs> around 10, I was like, oh, well, now I got to go back and get number one, two, three, and four, or whatever it was. And it has blossomed since then. It's over 350 now. So wait, do you still own the first one that you have or that one's kind of like lost within all the other ones? No, I am. You know, I'm a little bit of a hoarder as it is. Uh, you know, I, back when I was a kid, I collected comic books and baseball cards and this and that. So uh, my hoarding tendencies, uh, as I started collecting them, there is a um, company called Tiny Treasures. They do amazing frames, custom frames. So they'll do chip frames and people collect all sorts of things, matchbooks and what have you. And so I actually have uh, four, I'm up to four frames that each hold 99 chips. And so they are all framed up in order that I played all of these different casinos and card rooms around the country. And they're all around the house, you know, one on each floor, essentially. That is so cool. And uh, this is my creative mind just going out of balance. Could you imagine if like you had those frames, but like if you flip the poker chip, it has a little like memo of what happened that day? You know, I, so I told you I'm at 350 something, 352, 353. In fact, I, I do have a, I had to create a website. I, I started getting to such a high number because uh, I wanted them all to be unique. I didn't want to, it's, it's not a chip from every, because every time I play poker, it's a chip from every unique place that I play poker. So it's 350 unique casinos and, and card rooms and they're all in order. But I started getting, you know, I don't know where it was around a hundred or whatever. I, I, I'd kind of forget if I had been to a casino or not. Uh, and so I created a website and it's, you know, it's website only. It's, it's really my own personal diary is what it is. Uh, but it's MC poker chip, uh, dot wordpress.com. And so I now have, uh, I have two pages in this blog. One is every chip one through 350 in order. And then another page actually breaks it down by state. So you can go to, uh, Nevada and see, you know, which ones I got from Nevada, which ones from California, Florida, etc. Speaking of which, do casinos tend to change their poker chips? Let's say after 10 years that you kind of like renew. And if so, would you go back and get a new version of it? Yeah. So the rule uh, that I've created for myself, because, you know, there's, there's no official game here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the rule is if I it's a unique place, if the casino changes their name and therefore changes their chip, then I can do it. So they do change chips, uh, not 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 very often, but they will change chips uh, for various reasons. They'll, a lot of commemorative chips, especially in Vegas, like at a, a big place like the MGM Grand that has a lot of uh, high profile MMA and boxing matches. Like they'll do a commemorative. I don't know who the new boxers are now, so this will date me a little bit here. Uh, you know, the Tyson fight. So they'll have a five dollar chip with Tyson on it. Uh, so they'll do the, do things like that. They'll do New Year's chips, uh, Chinese New Year chips, things like that. Uh, but my rule is if they change the name of the casino, so it's sold, uh, and therefore they create new chips with the new branding, then I can recount that one. So uh, it's funny, there's a casino in Vegas called, I don't know what it is now, um, but at one point it was the Link, L-I-N-Q, but it has been, I think, five different casinos over the past, I don't know, 10 years or 15 years. Uh, and so it's changed names. And so it's changed chips. So it's, it, and I've been there each time that it's changed names. So I have, you know, five or six chips, whatever it's been uh, in my collection. But it's technically a new chip because it's a new new name of a casino. And I'm guessing you can't return the old chips and like cash them in. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. And, you know, all, all these chips are, you know, every time you take a chip for your collection, you're 
you're losing money, <laughs> you know. So the the vast majority of them are the one dollar chips, which is kind of the most common that you would you would play with at, in a poker game, uh, depending on the level. But um, I, I started getting kind of bored of one dollar chips, and I started noticing different kind of chips that casinos would have for different reasons. Uh, some that are called fractionals. So I actually have a twenty five cent poker chip, and I have a $2.50 poker chip. Like there became some different uh, chips just to kind of, I don't know, shake it up, if you will. But uh, I, I don't like taking more than a dollar chip because, again, that's just money wasted. I have a couple of $5 chips and I'm like, oh man, that's $5. <laughs> well, I was, was going to ask you, do you own any of those like $1,000 chips? Or I'm like, you know what? That would not be very practical for a collection. That'd be a very expensive collection at that point. But actually, on that note, what is the most expensive chip you have ever seen? Uh, seen or owned? Oh, let's go with bo both. So seen, uh, I was privy to a pretty famous poker game in the poker world. Uh, this guy named Andy Beal, he owns banks down in the Texas area called Beal Bank. So he's, he owns his own bank. So he's a pretty well off guy, right? He challenged himself to play against the best poker players in the world. Uh, so if anybody's listening that knows poker has heard of the Doyle Brunsons, Phil Ivies, Todd Brunson, um, those kind of guys and gals. So he challenged them to play them one on one. Uh, he knew he couldn't just, you know, go to a table of six or seven of them. They would just eat them up. So he played them one on one and had a bunch of rules uh, that applied to it. But they played a six hundred thousand one point two million dollar game. So that was the the block. That was each bet was six hundred thousand or one point two million. Wow. And they played they played the game with what they call cranberries. A cranberry is a twenty five thousand dollar chip. So I was playing in the wind casino when I was playing professionally and you see the security guards come in and they start kind of sectioning off a table with those like bank velvet ropes. Uh, and you start seeing famous poker players and you're like, what in the world? You know, I didn't play that high. So like, what are these, you know, what are these guys doing? These are millionaires. And the security people bring out this suitcase, if you will, of these chips that I had never seen. Now, now I'm playing pretty high. I'm playing with, you know, $15,000 in front of me. So I'm, I'm no small timer here. I've seen some big chips, but I had never seen cranberry. Like what in the world is that? And then you come to find out they're twenty five thousand dollar chips. They were sliding stacks of you know twelve or whatever at a time to get to get to six hundred thousand million dollars for each bet. It was it was a little it was a little breathtaking. At, at the very end, they had an odd chip for some reason. I don't know if it just got kind of lost in the shuffle. Uh, I, I have a hard time thinking I would lose a twenty five thousand dollar chip, but it did. And they they flipped for it. So they flipped it and whether it landed on heads or tails, that that person would win that. And I remember thinking, wow, they're flipping for twenty five thousand uh, dollars. That's, you know, it's a little surreal. Personally, I have owned upwards of five thousand dollar chips. Uh, in fact, I remember having those two in my hand. I believe they were yellow canary colored. And I was going from one casino to the other. And I remember looking at them in my hand and, you know, you can you know, kind of visualize in your hand the size of a poker chip. You know, you get two of those in your hand, and that's ten thousand dollars. And I remember thinking, if I accidentally drop or lose one of these, that's five thousand dollars. So I remember, you know, squeezing my my fist <laughs> my, around those two chips, putting it in my pocket, put my my fist in the pocket. I I didn't I dare not let the chips 
loose in my pocket. They were in my hand with my hand in my pocket as I walk across the Las Vegas strip. And I, I look so crazy walking, I'm <laughs> sure, because, you know, having your hand all the way in the pocket. But I was destined to not lose any one of those chips because that was, you know, a ton of money still is. <laughs> I could just imagine as like once you open up your hand, there was the imprint of the chip in your hand. <laughs> yes. And sweaty and <laughs> thankfulness that there were still two. That was the real key. It's like, okay, good. No magic tricks. They're both right here in the palm. Thank goodness. And I could imagine like the styles of these chips come in all like different cool variations. So for you, two questions, I guess. What is the most interesting chip you have ever seen? And what is the most interesting chip in your collection? Whether let's say solid gold, I don't know, or glow in the dark or can sing the ABCs. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, the coolest chip I've ever seen was that cranberry, to be frank. I mean, that's just a chip of $25,000 is just so rare. Uh, and then to see, you know, maybe hundreds of them as they are playing, that's just, uh, uh, an experience that not many people in this world would have. Um, you're right. They do come in interesting colors and designs. The shape is all basically the same, you know, it's a, it's a round chip, if you will. And it's really cool when you have them in the frame. So you have 99 of them. So there's 11 rows of, of, uh, nine because of the different colors it becomes its own art. You know, in, in fact, it's one of my funnest things when we'll have friends over or neighbors over or friends of my wife that maybe I don't know. And they're, they're drawn to this because they see this and they see all these poker chips and there's, you know, white and blues and pinks and browns and all this stuff. And they see all the different names of casinos and maybe they recognize the name of a casino, like, a you know, a, the Taj Mahal was a fairly famous casino for a while. They'll see things like that. And they'll start asking, well, why do you have this? And then, you know, you get to tell them the story that, you know, I was a professional poker player at one point. Uh, so it is very much like art, you know, the the three complete frames that are up. And then the fourth one that I'm still working on, although uh, the coronavirus has put a pause on any poker chip collecting. It's uh, the, the game is on pause here for that. Uh, as far as the most interesting one, you know, I, I, they're they're all so unique and I can almost, almost all 350 of them, I can look at them and remember something about the experience there. And some of these casinos I've been at for, you know, maybe 30 minutes to an hour at a time. I travel for work a lot, or again, I used to before coronavirus. So sometimes I'm busy and I'm only able to get in for an hour or so. And then others I played, you know, my professional life at, like at the, uh, the win Las Vegas. So the the most interesting to me is is actually probably the Win Las Vegas. It's not very fancy, to be real honest. I have chips, my kids. I have two beautiful kids, a nine year old and a six year old, and we love looking at, at the frames because there'll be you know there's a dolphin on one, there's a bear on another, there's an eagle on another. So you know they love pointing out the different things and uh, animal life. But the win, they would never point at the win. It literally is just a um, it's kind of a peach outside with a, a white inset that just says win poker. It's actually a two dollar chip, if I remember correct, because it said poker on it. So I got that one. Um, and then the little kind of boring win design. But the reason for me that it's the most interesting one is when I cut quit my my career, my first career I was a college track coach. I was coaching at Mississippi State University. And I walked in and gave my two weeks notice and said, I'm, I'm moving to Las Vegas. I'm going to go, you know, play poker professionally, which was a big deal. I'd never been to Vegas. (laughs) And so when I got to Vegas, you know, I drove all night, you know, two days in a row to get there. 
the win was the first place out of all the casinos I've played at in Vegas that realized pretty quickly that I was not just a tourist that was there for a couple of weeks or a, uh, someone who was going to be in Vegas for a month or two that I was like, I was here that I'm a resident of Las Vegas and I'm a professional poker player. And they really took me under their wings. They took care of me as a regular, took care of me for my meals. And then maybe most importantly, when you're playing poker professionally, you deal with cash. Like I mentioned, those two $5,000 chips. Well, if I ever wanted to pay my rent or whatnot, I had to cash those in. So you, if you're playing at a high enough level, you have a lot of cash on hand and people know that. <laughs> uh, so they actually, the win uh, graciously gave me a safety deposit box in the poker room. So I would never have to carry all my cash. I would just, you know, keep a couple hundred on me for meals and walking money or whatnot. So that that's why the win is the wind chip is probably the one I look at the most. I'm like, you know, that's the most special, even though I've had you know amazing stories and met amazing people uh, throughout the world playing poker at so many different poker rooms and casinos. And you mentioned that you can probably tell a story for every single chip you look at. Like you could just remember a story. Has it ever happened? You just like look at your wall and you're like, that's a good time. That's a good time. You I hate. That was a horrible time. <laughs> that's a good time. <laughs> that ever happened? <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah, sort of, yes. You know, there's a, a famous saying for poker, and it really goes towards life. You you may be able to even kind of uh, think about this the way they say this here. But uh, they say you can't remember the big pots that you've won, but you can remember every detail about the big <laughs> losses that you've had. Uh, and if you think about life in general, you think about things that maybe have bad happened to you, whether it's a car wreck or a lost love or something like that. You, you can remember everything about that. But it's it's hard maybe sometimes to remember all the, the great birthday parties we've had and the graduations and whatnot. And it's very true for poker. I can, boy, I can give you some just amazing, <laughs> you know, I lost thousands of dollars on the turn of a card, uh, but I don't remember all that many big pots that I won. And, and I certainly had my fair share. But I do remember, uh, in one shape or form, I remember the people that are at the poker table. Uh, I've just played with some just amazing people that were regular Joes, just me and you people who probably had their own podcast, dentists, uh, mailmen and women, uh, business owners, I mean, just uh, amazing, amazing people around the country. Uh, and that, that's what I remember the most. That's awesome. I love how you just like, as much as there are bad memories, there's good memories to just either balance it out or just conquer it. That's perfect. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Now it sounds like your collection, you have a lot of chips from the United States. Have you ever considered, let's say, cause I'm from Canada. Have you ever considered going to a casino in Canada and collecting chips from there or even from other countries around the world? Yes, that is a big, I really want that a lot. And I, and I do have one which is an extremely humbling experience. But you mentioned Canada. It's unfortunately, it's not Canada. Uh, I, I was in Buffalo uh, for the first time, actually, in a long, long time and went to one of the casinos on the American side in Buffalo. I had an injury. My, I was in a um, one of those boots for like a, um, I didn't have a broken leg, but you, you can kind of imagine a, you know, one of those boots that you pump up and it supports your ankle and all that. And so I was going to walk across the border to go to the Canadian side, it was going to be my first international chip. I was super excited. And my leg was my it was my Achilles tendon was uh, I had a problem with it was killing me. I mean, 
it was really bad. It was like midnight already. And so I convinced myself that I would be back in Buffalo one day that I could go across the border. So I, I didn't get it. I didn't go to Canada and get my first international chip. It sounds like, you know, kind of like when you go fishing, it's the one that got away. <laughs> it, it is. It is. But it, but it made the, the one international chip that I did get, uh, which was earlier this year in February, uh, I, I did get an opportunity to take a work trip to go to Costa Rica. And I, I'll tell you what, that was one of the most humbling experiences I've ever had. It, it really helped me kind of understand, put myself in, in other people's shoes. So I'm used to playing poker. I'm used to living life where people, we, we just talk, we talk English. I, I understand everybody, you know, we just do our thing, right? It's, it's, we take it for granted. I sat down at the table in this little casino in a basement. I is <laughs> uh, in the basement of a, one of the hotels. I, I very sketchy, but it was a professional casino. And I sit down to play cards with seven to eight other people who English was not their first language. In fact, I think only one other person uh, spoke English very well, and everybody else was very, very cursory. And so every time it was my turn to make sure that I was doing the right things, you know, you're playing with money. I don't want to make the wrong bet, and I'm betting everything when I only meant to bet a little or anything like that. Like, I had to be very like, hey, 100? Like, you know, <laughs> am I saying this right? Um, and you know, people are, they're having their own fun conversations, talking about whatever game was on TV, whatever was happening in their lives. And I understood none of it. I felt so isolated and it really made me think uh, at other times where I've played in a game and there was someone of international descent that was, you know, maybe English was their second language and there was Spanish or some, uh, Asian language was their first language and how isolated they must feel, not understanding everything, every slang and every joke and every haha. It really I'll tell you what, it was a little at the ripe old age of 43, it was a it was a life-changing poker game. And and not because I won a lot of my one at the end of the day, I think I won no joke. I think I won four dollars and sixty-seven cents or something with the conversion rate. <laughs> I, I won, you know, nothing, but it was really, really eye-opening. Uh, just how other people are affected in this life and, and how we take some things granted really was, it was, it was powerful for me. You know what? That's where body language comes into play. <laughs> See, like in my family, so, uh, so my family is mixed with everything, half Caribbean, half Canadian. My wife is South Korean. My brother-in-law is Russian. So it's just mm. a bunch of like languages and we just talk and body language. Like right now I'm talking with my hands. So I, I completely understand where you're coming from. And it's the idea that you know what? You didn't win in money, but you won in life experience. Yes. Yeah. Body language, tonality is a huge part. And then then the actual words are very, they're tertiary. They're actually third. It is. You're right. Uh, communication, body language and tonality are so big in, in how you communicate. Absolutely. And speaking about communication, this is an odd segue. I, I know how much the chips speak to you. They mean so much to you. So what would you say is the best part about collecting poker chips on a personal and an emotional level? Well, uh, for one, it's a little bit of a show off. You know, there's some ego involved here that when, you know, someone sees the chips for the first time and maybe finds out for the first time that I played poker professionally, uh, it's a little bit of an ego trip for me, right? People 
like no one's ever said, oh, that's cool. So did my brother. You, you know, it's a unique aspect. So there, there's certainly some coolness there. Uh, but then, you know, honestly, personally, at the end of the end of the day, I'm I'm so thankful that I did. Yeah, you know, I, I was at the top of the game. I was in the SEC coaching track and field. That was my whole goal when I was a track coach was to get to the SEC. And I quote unquote, threw it all the way to, you know, follow this pipe dream to become a professional poker player. I'm so, so thankful I did it because of the people I met and because of the lesson of what a dollar really means. Um, you know, we, we get caught in this world and, you know, I'm in the private business sector now as a sales professional. And sometimes I catch myself, it's all about the dollar. What's the next sale so I can make the the next commission, et cetera. When I was getting ready to leave Vegas, when it, when Vegas told me it was time for me to leave, <laughs> um, you know, I didn't have, I actually left Vegas with the, ex, I mean, to the T, the exact same amount of dollars I had when I got there. Now I paid for, paid for my rent, paid off my car, those kind of things. So I made money, but uh, as far as actual dollar value, the day I decided to leave, I was dead even. And I wanted to get back into track and field but I needed a place that kind of a home base to live and, you know, send out resumes and, and what have you. And my former roommate, uh, he's now the track coach at LSU. He was still at Mississippi state. And I called him and he said, without reservation, he was like, come, come back to my place. All I have is a couch, but you can stay there. And I was like, man, I can't, I can't afford rent. Da, da, da. He's like, rent, you're not paying rent. And he's like, you're staying there until you get a job. You're good. He was recently married. I mean, he didn't have to do this. He, you know, he could have helped out in a different way. He was so, so, so selfless. And it really taught me about that money, these chips, when I had, you know, a mountain of chips, 10, 15, $20,000 in front of me, that meant nothing compared to friendship and family uh, that and love. That That's what it really, really taught me. So I'm so glad. That's why I say I'm so glad I did it. And I am so thankful I don't do it now. <laughs> you know what? I love like the, all the lessons you actually gathered from collecting poker chips and your experience playing poker. It's really cool. It's really humble. Man, you're just an awesome person down to heart. You know, they don't say that when I'm taking their money at the <laughs> poker table, though. <laughs> when, I, when I'm getting that chip and I look at them, I go, you see this chip? I'm going to remember you because of this chip. <laughs> I'm writing your name on this chip. <laughs> <laughs> and for you, what was your biggest challenge when you first started collecting poker chips? You know, for me, because I'm a little bit of a, I don't know if it's OCD or ADD, whatever, you know, uh, it was how do you actually present them. And, you know, at one time they were just in a, a drawer, you know, when I had 10, 15, 20, uh, then I found the first chip holder on eBay. I remember it was like a 19, it was a weird triangle shape. And then it became, you know, once it, that held 19, well, once I got to the 20th, I'm like, well, what do I do now? Uh, and then I found the first 63 chip frame. Well, I quickly got the chip number 64 and 65. And so really, how do you present the chips and 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 for them to tell their own story so keeping them in order how do you keep them in the the actual frame itself uh how do you put it on the stinking wall so it doesn't fall down and break you know when you have kids that becomes its own issue with them uh, you know banging against the wall and all that kind of stuff so for me it was about presentation how do i honor what i've done in the past and what i do now as a hobby to to show and let them tell their own story. And it sounds like it's not so much your challenge today. So I still have to ask you, what is your current challenge? Uh, coronavirus. <laughs> so, ah, yes, that. <laughs> yeah, the last chip I got was in 
March. I can't, uh, it was in Florida. I was down in Florida for a business trip. And then I was in New Mexico for the very last business trip. Uh, that's when, you know, COVID hit and I'm in the sports world. So if you remember in the middle of March when the uh, NCAA tournament got canceled, NBA canceled, well, I was at our NCAA indoor track championships. I live in the track and field world. And so that was it. I, I have been, my wings have been clipped. I, I, I'm on the road 130 nights a year. I'm used to being on the road all the time. I mean, literally almost every week and for sure every month, I'm somewhere in this country uh, for business, for selling track and field equipment. So the challenge now is most things are shut down. They are opening up. Uh, some, you know, Vegas has opened up a little bit and some other poker rooms are opened up, but I don't, you know, I have two kids and a wife and responsibility for, you know, my team at work and, uh, honestly responsibility for my community and my, my customers. Uh, I don't, I don't want to play poker. Well, I do want to play poker. I don't want to play poker in the world we are right now with the uncertainty and, uh, and all that. So until, um, I don't know when, you know, that's the other kind of weird part about it is you don't know. You don't know when it'll it'll unfreeze, uh, but eventually one day I'll get there. It's a lifelong journey for me. You know, the there is no end game. There is no. Uh, it's not Pokemon where there's 500 of them, and so when I get to 500, I've I've won the poker chip <laughs> yeah. hobby collection. You know, there always will be new casinos and new poker rooms around the country, and they'll always continue to close. Uh, so there's there's always just the you know if you find them, go have a good time and play some cards and meet some new people, uh, and then get that chip and bring it home, log it into the little vlog and move on to the next one. <laughs> and I'm sure virtual poker chips do not necessarily quench your thirst for collecting poker chips. That, that's a good question because that also goes with the other rule. So for sure, you're right. Virtual poker. I tried playing online poker. It used to be really big when I, when I lived in Vegas, but I just, uh, I don't know if you noticed, I'm kind of a talker and they don't talk back online. You know, they just don't for some reason. Uh, so I love being at the poker table with real humans and interacting. So definitely those don't count. And the other thing, some well-meaning friends and family, uh, they'll be somewhere, especially if they go overseas, because that's a unique thing that, you know, not a lot of us get to enjoy. Uh, they'll say, hey, there's a local casino. Would you like me to get you a chip? Well, it's not collecting so there there is a huge culture of uh casino chip collecting uh there's websites and there's uh conventions form that people just collect like they'll collect all the chip, the one the five the ten twenty five etc that that's part of their world my rule is i have to play at that poker table so uh i've had well many people bring me chips back They're like hey i was in aruba or whatever you know, I, I got you a chip and i was like that's really really nice of you it's not going in my collection but that's super nice of you <laughs> <laughs> it's like going to get a gift like oh thanks uh, yes <laughs> and, and there's no regifting. it's like what are you gonna do with a chip from aruba i'm not you know i can't cash it in it's just like becomes like you know actually I give it to my son now he's got like these little extra poker chips and you know so they're just like mixed in with those legos and stuff <laughs> you know what that means that means you would have to go to aruba and go to that casino to use that chip <laughs> a, a lot of people so when they see the chips and they usually only see one frame of 99 so they don't realize there's you know four other frames uh, a lot of times people will ask how much are all these worth you know they'll see all the dollar chips and a couple of five dollar chips and things like that and i tell them it's actually worth zero monetarily 
And, and they're like, why? This one's $5 and this one, you know, it was two fifty. I was like, do you know, first of all, some of these casinos are closed down. So they, they are literally worth nothing. Uh, there is no cash in value for me to cash in all these chips. Cause the, you know, in, in one frame of 99, that's 99 different places around the country. It would cost me $99,000 to go cash in the, uh, you know, $99 of chips that are in there. So monetarily worth nothing, personally, emotionally worth everything. It's a part of my life. Do you have a lucky chip? The one that you keep in your pocket? Hopefully you don't hold a tight grip at all times, but one that just like, you know, brings you luck. Wouldn't that be funny if I told you it was the, it was the cranberry or something. It was the 25. It's like, it's super lucky. It's like, hi, nice to meet you. It's like, I, I can't let go of my hand. I'm sorry. I can't take it out of the pocket. Why? I can't tell you why. <laughs> So uh, I I do actually have that that quote unquote lucky chip. Um, one of the rules of poker is that you have to protect your own hand. So when you get those cards, uh, if someone throws their cards into your hand, if you're not protecting it, your hand's dead. So they have these things called card uh, protectors. Uh, and some people have all these fancy, you know, little ceramic dragons and whatever, what have you. Uh, I graduated from the greatest university in the world, Troy State University down in Alabama, and I had a poker chip made with the Troy logo, and then the reverse has the Troy uh, University name, and I have it in a single chip protector, so it makes it a little bit bigger and heavier, and that's what I use for my card protector. So I, it's kind of my lucky chip. It's my alma mater. My, my named my son after Troy University, so it, it means a great deal to me. Uh, my time at that university. Uh, so that's why it became my lucky chip. And you bring it around everywhere, right? Uh, every time I play cards. Oh, okay. But... It's like you go to bed or when you take a shower. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's the lucky poker chip, not the, uh, yeah, the lucky heirloom, right? <laughs> yeah. And on a darker note, has collecting poker chips ever stressed you out? Let's say, um, I don't know how fragile, let's say you have a very fragile one and it just broke and like, oh, how do I fix it? Or it's just something along the lines of like, if it does stress you out, what do you do to de-stress? Yeah. You know, again, it's this uh, little bit of OCD in me. I shared my uh, website that had the list of all of my poker chips. And this guy, uh, it was on a, po uh, a poker forum. This guy comments and says, hey, you have this casino listed in... 2007 or whatever it was, he goes, it actually closed in 2006. And I was like, Oh my, wait a minute. Like you start questioning your memories. And, uh, you know, I was like, wait a minute, I lived in Kansas and that was in Kansas. Why, how's that not working? Um, and so I found out that I, that the casino I originally went to, it was my very first casino in Kansas was literally within three months of me going had changed its name. And so, uh, you know, being a beginning not even poker players, the beginning as first casino I'd ever been to, not just poker. Um, I never even paid attention to it because it all just kind of looked the same to me. So I had to, I had to actually go, first of all, two things I had to go find on these, um, chip forms, someone who had the a chip from that original casino that closed down in 2006 or whatever, uh, in middle of nowhere, Kansas. So first I had to go find the chip. Then I had to trade the guy for the chip. So I had to buy it, basically. Uh, and then I had to move all my chips over one space because oh. I want the, yeah, I want them in order. Exactly. So I had to slot number one. So I, I don't know where I was at if I was at 200 or 250 at the time. I had to move 250 stinking chips over one 
in all of my frames. Oh, <laughs> that 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 stressed me out, man. <laughs> Too bad, like your frame wasn't like a some sort of technology where you just push it and they all move at once. <laughs> you know, I, I wish my wife were here telling that story because she would tell you the ridiculousness of my fretting about this, and she was like. Just put it right there. You have an open slot, and I was like, "It won't be in order. <laughs> that, 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 that that can't happen. No, not happening." <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, you know, you it's like taking a shower. You go poop before you take the shower. You don't take you don't go poop after you take a shower. It's, there's a certain order you have to follow. <laughs> there's order. That's right. There is order to this world. Thank you. <laughs> I completely understand. Uh, so another darker note. This is probably my favorite question for every episode. What are some misconceptions about people who collect Pokemon? Poker chips. One is that we're good at poker. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. You know, they just, you know, everybody when they hear I'm a former professional poker player, they always say, oh, remind me not to play against you. And I remind them uh, there's a reason why I'm a former professional poker player. <laughs> you know, now the misconceptions and actually it's still even before all this is that it's a, a dirty hobby because you're in poker rooms and because of TV and movies, there's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, old Western gambling movies where, you know, people are smoking at the table and, uh, everybody's drunk, drinking their bourbons. That is uh, pretty far from the truth nowadays. Most places like almost every place for restaurants and such, there is no more smoking indoors. Uh, so it's actually very rare for me to play in a casino or, or a card room that allows smoking. That's a pretty, pretty rare thing. Uh, and then most people are they, they some people are drinking, but they're certainly not drunk. I think most people realize they play worse <laughs> yeah. when they're inebriated. <laughs> I certainly encourage them to drink. <laughs> uh, I'm the guy I'm the guy buying, you know, if there's eight people at the table, I'm like seven shots, please. <laughs> you guys enjoy. <laughs> Yeah, so that'd probably maybe the the misconception. And also, I'm sure there's not like gunfights and bar fights and like stuff like that. No flipping of tables like they do in the movies, where it's all super violent as well. In the underground world, there actually is. Uh, I played in a game in Nashville uh, that was kind of hosted by and run by a former World Series of Poker champion, and I just, somehow I'd gotten an invite to it. These aren't things you just like look up on Facebook, uh, you know, you got to like know someone that knows someone. Uh, and so I played and, uh, come to find out a week later, uh, the place got robbed and ha- I shouldn't say half, but some of the, the players had their own guns. And so there was shooting and whatnot. And, uh, you know, for a guy who, you know, I'm not a gun guy, I'm not against guns, but I'm not a gun guy. I was like, Ooh, thank goodness I was there a week early. <laughs> so it's a misconception, but not so much. It's somewhat, it depends on where you go, right? You, you know, money's money, right? I mean, people take that fairly seriously. And, you know, when you're gambling, even though, you know, what are we always taught that, you know, it's for fun, don't overextend yourself, etc. Most of the time, people in the poker world. I'd I'd say this is a pretty, I'm being pretty fair when I say a a lot of people that the majority, so maybe 51%, they think they're better than they really are. And so when they lose, well, it wasn't their fault. They're good. (laughs) It must be your fault or the dealer's fault. Uh, They, boy, they get onto dealers so much. And what people forget about poker is there is a skill involved in it. So I am better than the average person, but it's over a span of a thousand hands. Any one hand, any any one hand, anybody could win. You and I could play one hand. You could easily beat me with the worst cards in the deck, and I have the best cards because of the way the the, the cards run out. Now, 
over a thousand hands, I will beat you more than likely because I have, you know, some skill sets for, for that. But when you're playing with your own money and you lose because you think you're good, well, it's not your fault. It, it's, it has to be somebody else. And so people will get, you know, pretty upset about that. You know what? I'll blame it on the wind. It was, it was the wind. <laughs> <laughs> and for you, what has collecting poker chips taught you in life? I know you touched a little bit, but if you have anything else to add on to that. I think when people look at wherever, whatever stage they are in life and in their career, and, uh, and God bless if you're on your first, second, third, fourth, fifth career, uh, I think some people, you know, my experience is that people are sometimes afraid to to fail, you know, to take that leap and and do something and fail at it, to, to be real frank. And I think we all need to do a little bit more of that, not necessarily failing, but doing things that pushes you past your comfort zone. I think most people would actually surprise themselves and succeed by doing that. Um, so for me, you know, really the collecting, the hobby of collecting poker chips really started when I took that leap of faith and quit my career at the top of the the board at the SEC uh, and, and just moved to Vegas. Like I said, never been there. And, you know, and in all intents and purposes, I probably failed. I'm not still doing it. I didn't win a million dollars. I didn't win the World Series of Poker. Uh, but I, I really did succeed because, first of all, I, it helped me land into the job that I am now, you know, working for Gill Athletics and being in, uh, you know, the uh, central Illinois. This is where I met my wife. This is where I have two kids. I have a great community. I have an amazing team and uh, I have an amazing leadership team. I have amazing teammates at the at my work. I, I serve track coaches now. I get to play in the sand basically all the time, you know, and go out and see amazing athletes. If I wouldn't have taken that leap and was okay to fail at it, I don't know where I'd be. I, I may be coaching somewhere. I may not be. I don't know what I'd be doing. So, I, you know, for me, it's it's kind of a reminder. Every every time I get that poker chip, every time I'm at, a, I'm at a new casino or card room and I find that chip and put it in my pocket real quick before I lose it, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's a reminder that what, what is it? Luck favors the bold or something like that. I'm sure I'm butchering it, but you know, take, take a chance. You're still so early in life. I know, uh, I, I talk to coaches all, all around the country and they're 30, 40, 50 years old. And they think, Oh man, I haven't done anything yet. I'm 40 years old. I'm not coaching in, at the SEC or in the PAC 12, whatever they think success is. And, and I remind them, I, I was talking to a guy the other day, he's 40, he was 40 years old. And I reminded him, I said, so you've been coaching for 20 years. I go, how old do you think you're going to be when you retire? And he's like, oh, probably 65, 70. I go, exactly. You've got 25, 30. And really with the advancements of, of uh, technology of health and things like that, probably 40, 50 years left to coach. You have a whole nother lifetime to coach. So right now, no matter what job you're in, you, have, you probably, depending on your age, you probably have a whole nother lifetime to do what you've already done. So you're, you're really a babe. You're a pup. You're at the starting line. If we're going to keep the track and field analogy here, you're just at the starting line, do what you love. And if that means, sometimes it means moving to Vegas, and you've never <laughs> been there before. Uh, and that may not be the calling, but that more than likely, uh, that boldness will move, will find you into the right, uh, career which will ultimately make you happier, which makes, honestly, if you're happier, your your spouse is going to be happier, your children are going to be happier, your family is going to be happier. 
uh, things will just be, they'll be better. You have more to gain than to lose when you take a chance at life. That's it. Absolutely. And we get so stuck. And I just, you know, that's really what I want for people is to just, you know, whatever your hobby is, your hobby is probably one of your first indicators. You, you said this is episode 150 plus. That's yeah. amazing, <laughs> first of all. But I, I would, I would surmise that out of all the people and all the different, I can't imagine the different hobbies you've been able to explore with people around the world, well, probably, that is probably what they kind of wish they were doing for their career. And, and I bet most of those people could make a living and then be happier with their career if they would just take a dive into their hobby and make it their, their which is, it is their passion, and make it their, their life, their career, their, their moneymaker. Anything is possible when you put the mind to it. That's the idea. And like, I speaking about track and field, I know it's a little off topic, but I had my grandmother on for like episode seven and she is 80 years old for her 80th birthday. She went to go do the 800 kilometer walk in Spain. No. Yeah. Yeah. She, 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 really? She's going to outlive us. Definitely. <laughs> no doubt. Holy cow. Yeah. So uh, like that, like you were saying, don't let age restrict you. If you enjoy doing your hobby, do it regardless. Just take a chance. You nailed it. That's exactly it, man. And this is on the same track of word of advice, but do you have any word of advice for anybody who might be interested in picking up collecting poker chips? Uh, yeah, start small. <laughs> uh, you, you know, when when they open up and it's safe and you feel comfortable going back into a casino, find what you're passionate about. Maybe it's not actually poker. Uh, maybe you like to play craps or you like to play blackjack. That's a, a pretty popular thing. You know, just find your, your first one, find the chip that's interesting to you. There, there's different denominations. Uh, and just start, you know, you, you don't get to the, you don't get to the hundredth chip until you get to the first and the second and the third. So, uh, just go out and enjoy always. I always caution with gambling, make sure it is for fun. Uh, don't be ashamed if you have a $20 limit, have that $20 and then move on. Uh, I, I remind people they don't close down very many casinos, <laughs> meaning it's hard to bankrupt a casino because they always, always have the edge. So uh, have fun with it, uh, but know that it's not about the money. It's about the experience. And you don't need to go for the cranberry as your first chip part of your collection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Start with the, the $1 chip, baby. That's it. <laughs> and we talked about this at the beginning of the episode, but I'll ask it again at the end. Do you have any social media links, websites, or projects you're working on that you would love people to come check out. Absolutely. Again, if you have listened to us talk about track and field, and I love that you have a track and field background, because it is <laughs> literally the greatest sport in the entire world. Uh, if you are a track and field fan and maybe uh, think you can learn something from track and field coaches, some of the top coaches in the country from professional, collegiate, high school, and even club and middle school coaches. I am the host of the Gill Athletics Track and Field Connections podcast. So uh, I'm going to go on a limb and say that if you're listening to this podcast, you know how to find <laughs> my podcast now, the Gill Athletics Connections podcast. And of course, huge, huge social media guy. I love, I'm a big proponent of social media. Uh, so I am all in right now on Twitter. That is probably the easiest way to remember my uh, handle there. It is literally just my name, Mike Cunningham. So no dashes and dots and all that kind of stuff. Mike Cunningham uh, over at Twitter. I would love to hear from you. I um, uh, I, I kind of put my money where my mouth is, so to speak, uh, talking about poker. Uh, because I love social media so much, you will get a response from me if you message me or whatnot on Twitter. I, I can't stand people who don't respond. It is a social media site. So I am social on there. So we'd love to hear from 
anybody that wants to reach out and talk about poker or whiskey, vanilla ice. I have so many, so many loves in this world would love to connect with you. I love how just inviting you are. And you know what? I'm just going to share all those links down below. So people are They have to, they have to check every single one of them. It's, it's, it's <laughs> mandatory at this point. Listening to Absolutely. me talk for hours and hours, it's optional, but listening to you talk mandatory. So you can like skip the parts where I ask the questions and just listen to Mike talk and you know, you're good. And, but yeah, <laughs> I will put all those things down below so people can come show you some love. Awesome, man. I really do appreciate it. I appreciate this opportunity to talk about one of my passions, man. I just, uh, I, I just so appreciate the, uh, the, the podcast you have and, and what you're doing. Now I do a little something different on my podcast from different podcasts and it sometimes throws off my guests. But the last question I have is, do you have any questions for me about collecting poker chips? So you asked me if I had any international poker chips and specifically uh, Canada. What is your experience with gambling? Do you have you gone into any? There's plenty of casinos in Canada. Have you done any of that? And what have you done uh, for the game? Blackjack, craps, what have you? So when it comes to gambling, when I was I turned 18 because of yeah. I live in Ontario, but the legal drinking age in Quebec is 18 and I'm on the border. I'm in Ottawa. So most people from Ottawa just go over to Quebec when they turn 18. And we went to the casino, but we were thinking the casino was kind of like in the movies. Everybody's in suits and tuxedos. <laughs> so we got dressed up in suits and tuxedos and all that jazz. And we went in and was like, nope, that is not it. Nope. <laughs> and for me, I really do have dumb luck. So the first dollar I put in and I won $120 in one of the slot machines and I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't understand. Did you, did you stop right there? Yeah. Please tell yeah, me I you stopped. stopped. That's I the stopped. only way to beat the casino. Ah, oh, bravo. And there you go. <laughs> another time I, we saw this machine, my friends knew the game. So it's kind of like the three dice and then it just jumps up and it lands and you have to put high, low, or choose like what kind of number it's going to land on. And I'm looking at him like, I don't really understand. I'm like, oh, my, to my friend, John, I'm like, oh, John, put it on triple five. He's like, no, Alex is not going to land on triple five. Are you stupid? I kid you not. It landed no. on triple five. And I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. He's like, oh. that was huge. It was, yeah. It's like yeah. 750 times the win. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. man. And I had the next time I won, my friend asked me for some change for four quarters for a dollar. I got the change. I won $75 off the money he gave me. <laughs> He's like, what the hell? Come on. <laughs> oh, man, that is, I don't know if it's dumb luck, but that is luck. Let me tell you there. Well, I was, I was going to ask if I was allowed to ask another question. <laughs> Absolutely. You may. So because you're from Canada and you've done some track and you host an awesome podcast, do you know of Mr. Malcolm Gladwell? The, the last name sounds familiar, but not the first name. Why does that sound familiar? Okay. So my hope is always to bring value, uh, no matter what I do. So whether I'm a guest, I'm the host of my podcast, my emails, whatever, I always want to bring value. So Malcolm Gladwell sounded, you described your family a little bit as well. And so that's what started making me think. So Malcolm is Canadian. Uh, I believe he grew up in the Toronto area. I'm not real familiar with Canadian geography, but I believe he grew up in the Toronto area. His mom, I'm probably mixing this up, is from mom or dad is from Jamaica. Um, the other mom or dad is, uh, I think, like maybe from New York and Jewish. But he was a track athlete himself. And now, so he has an amazing podcast called The Revisionist History. If you like, uh, he's an amazing storyteller. So he talks about the misunderstood and forgotten and just has an amazing research. He's just amazing. You got to go check that out. 
He's an author by trade. So he has written books like uh, The Tipping Point, uh, David and Goliath, Blink. They are phenomenal kind of socio, psych, not psychological, just about life and misunderstood topics. You would, I think you would enjoy it for sure, just because of some commonalities of your backgrounds a little bit. Uh, but again, a great podcaster, researcher, uh, would love, I, I, hopefully that would bring you value and you'd be able to uh, look, listen to the podcast and pick up any one of his books. They're all literally phenomenal. Blink, Tipping Point, um, David and Goliath, a few more. They are all just absolutely fantastic. You know what? Anything to expand my mind and just learn more about the world and the beautiful people in it. I'm, I'm, I'm always game for that. You'll love it. You, you would like Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. And he's on Twitter at just Gladwell, his last name, G-L-A-D-W-E-L-L. -L. But go start with his podcast. They are amazing. Revisionist history. You'll, you'll love it. It'll make, it'll, it'll, it'll make you better. <laughs> it'll, it'll be fantastic. So the last question is, why are you awesome? <laughs> like, you're just giving me so much good information, so many good resources that I'm, I'm just over the moon right now. Man, uh, <laughs> it's value. Yeah. I, I just want, it, it's how do how, I get better by other people getting better. So what can I do to help you get better? And I have such a wide variety of paths from like I said, poker, being friends with the vanilla ice. I'm a bourbon guy. I'm a, prof a sales professional. I'm a former coach. I have a lot of roles that I have assumed in my life. Uh, and I've kind of noticed that the only times that I've been happy in my life is when I've been serving others. So at the end of the day, it's about serving others, helping them. How, how do they get better? Because uh, I tend to get better by them getting better. So that's what I'm always working towards. It sounds like I'm just talking to myself right now because like this is the reason why I do this podcast. I want to give people a voice and I don't yes. care if you're a celebrity or not. I, if we just go by first names and just like, hey, Mike, you're on here. Tell me, tell me what you love about your hobby. That's like, that's my goal. And just share with the world. Well, you do a fantastic job. You're really good at questioning. You're even better at listening. And you absolutely have a fantastic <laughs> voice for this, my man. I am. Uh, I'm, I'm a little jealous. Uh, your voice is just outstanding. Um, I tell this to everybody. Puberty just hit me really hard. That's that's about it. <laughs> uh, so there you have it. Another body with the hobby. Thank you so much, Mike, for coming in with this positive, great energy and sharing your passion and also sharing your other passion with the world. I cannot thank you enough for all this. Man, thank you. I really do appreciate us connecting together through social media. That's, mm -hmm. again, why I love it. Uh, <laughs> and I just want to encourage you to keep doing this. It, there's value to so many people with the just amazing variety of people that you present, man. I love it. Keep doing it. You're doing awesome. It's because of people like you that I do it. So if you guys want to learn more about Mike, I'll put all the links down below. So you have to go follow him, show him some love. And if you'd like to be on my podcast or have any questions at all, you could send me an email at timeforyourhobby at gmail.com. And if you like the podcast, you know, you could leave a review. It could be good or bad. You know, reviews are good. It helps me grow. Well, not my hair because I'm bald, but it'll help me grow in other ways. <laughs> Uh, and also, if you'd like to show some more support, I also sell merchandise on Redbubble with the Time for Your Hobby logo on things you absolutely do not need, but it's there. And if you want to show even more support on top of that, I'm, I'm sorry for just saying so much support. I also have a Patreon, which is completely optional, but I'm working on it. I'm trying to figure out new things to make it even better. So those are all optional, but what is mandatory is to go show Mike some love. Absolutely. So once again, thank you so much, Mike. Thank you, man. Appreciate your time. So until the next episode, make some time for your hobby. Take care.